Well, hello, friends, CMYK community, those of you that are maybe listening in for the very first time. Welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm just excited and honored that uh, you're part of this whole process and this whole thing with us. We're a community of people that are working to live out, experience, and find the more beautiful way to interact with the world, the people, stuff, the divine in and around us. And uh, we're coming back from what we call a Sabbath gathering. So if you're listening to this talk podcast uh, within the calendar week that we put it out, uh, the last week was Thanksgiving. And so what we did is we take, uh, as a regular part of our rhythm as a community, we just regularly take a Sunday off and all stop and do nothing collectively. We take naps. We eat really, really good food. We celebrate the creation and relationships around us. This is a reminder to us that we are not the sum total of our accomplishments or what we do or have done. We are to be found as loved and embraced. We are human beings, and that is found before we do or accomplish anything. That is found outside of uh, the number of money we have in our account or the position that we hold at the office. We simply are loved, and uh, we need to remind ourselves of that every once in a while. So we have this kind of physical practice for us as Sabbath where we just don't do, accomplish, make anything and just remind ourselves of that. So all that to say, that was this past weekend. And so I hope you had a great Sabbath uh, with your family, with your friends. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family and friends. But now that Thanksgiving is over, as many of you know, that means that we are jumping into this thing that's known as Christmas. If you've watched any TV or been in any store anywhere, you have probably noticed and seen Tis the season of Christmas, and for us as a faith community within the Christian tradition, there is uh, this thing known as Advent for this season, and Advent is this anticipation, this pointing ourselves towards hope and the belief that something is coming, the arrival of Christ. It's Advent. And so for us, um, this is what we do in the month of December. We kind of enter into a season of Advent, and uh, we enter into that with the rest of the Christian community as well. It's a part of our faith calendar. And so um, what I want you to know is that rather than kind of just giving a series of talks in December uh, around something or going and finding some texts that, that we might want to talk about, what we do is we actually kind of push pause on our normal rhythm as a community, and we join in with the traditional church calendar, the traditional tr- church liturgy, and there are texts that churches all around Billings, all around the country, and really all around the world in some ways, that are all they're all reading from, they're all meditating on and processing, and sermons are being given out of this week um, as a part of that church calendar. And so what we're doing as a community is joining in on that. (laughs) We've decided that uh, as in this Advent season, let's just kind of be a part of the bigger picture and join in, listen in, meditate, process together um, the same text together. So uh, this is going to be kind of a maybe a little different kind of talk because I want to kind of read the text and then maybe give some background and understanding of what's happening in that text and then just provide try to provide space for you to reflect, process, journal, pray, meditate uh, on these ideas as we enter this season of Advent 
this anticipation of the arrival um, that we would kind of have this practice together. Before we do that, though, I want to quickly remind you that uh, all of this kind of culminates on this day called Christmas, right? December 25th. And on December 24th, which is Christmas Eve, it's a Sunday this year, we as a community are doing something that we call Sing Along and Cider. Uh, This is one of our favorite gatherings of the entire year. Uh, We meet at the Pub Station, which is a local music venue in downtown Billings, at 4.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and we just have a raucous good time with some really, really great uh, Christmas songs that we sing together, and we spend some time kind of focusing and processing and reminding ourselves of what matters and what's significant and important on this holiday. And then we just have free cider and we hang out and we have a really, really good time. So it's a free event. It's a, uh, for all ages. So kids are more than welcome to join us for the sing-along if they want. But we also will have some kid care that if you want to, um, you know, if your kids would rather be in kid care, they're more than welcome to be a part of that as well. So that's coming up. We want to make sure that you know that. We would be honored and excited if you were able to make that as a part of your Uh, Christmas Eve tradition this year with your friends and your family. Sing along and cider is coming. So uh, today, as part of this calendar of teaching, we are looking at this text found in Isaiah chapter 63, and then we're going to skip to some verses in Isaiah 64 verses 1 through 8. So here's Isaiah 63, verses 16 and 17. This prophet says, "'You, O Lord, are our Father.'" A redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden your heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence." When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard no, no, or, ear, or perceived by ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you are angry and we sinned and in our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And we are all the work of your hand. This past summer, I had the opportunity to um, check out a book entitled Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage by Alfred Lansing. It's a phenomenal text that um, tells the historic tale of uh, this captain named Shackleton who uh, got a crew of people together and worked really hard to be the first to cross the Antarctic um, for the very first time in a ship. It hadn't been done up to this point, and everybody believed that it could be done, but as there was attempt after attempt after attempt and, attempt and everybody failed, Shackleton believed he could be the guy that could make it happen. 
And so he gets his crew together, and everybody's excited and anticipating uh, that this is the one. This is going to be the one that, that crosses the Antarctic for the first time. And it's a phenomenal story of leadership and uh, endurance, if you will, <laughs> of challenge and just the fight for survival. Because what ends up happening is, um, as you can imagine, the Antarctic is cold, and with cold and with water comes ice. And as the ship is uh, plowing through the Antarctic, ice continues to push in on the ship. And so there comes a point in February of 1915 when they're on their uh, journey that the men have to start getting out of the boat and have to start prying the ice away from in front of them and from around the ship so the ship will not get stuck and lodged in the ice. And so they continue to pry and continue to pry and continue to pry, but after about 10 days of just day and night trying to break and pry ice away, they realize we're not going anywhere and there's too much ice. So February 24th, 1915. The men decide, well, the ship is now stuck in the ice. And so they begin to move some things off of the boat and they start setting up camp out off the boat and just living off the boat, hoping and believing that the ship will actually be freed from the ice at some point. But what we find is day after day after day goes by, week after week, month after month, goes by. And this was in February when they decided to start living off of the ship. And in October of that year, the ship begins to sink because the ice has now grown so much and continues to build so much pressure in and around the ship that they truly abandon ship and they realize their worst fears are now here. They no longer have a ship to try and cross the Antarctic, and they are just camping on the ice. Now, this is just the beginning of the story, and where it goes from here is phenomenal. But here's what I find so fascinating. These men camped out on the ice day after day, week after week, month after month, realizing and feeling and seeing this is not where we wanted to be. We did not want to be camping on the ice as our ship is stuck in the middle of an iceberg. We didn't want to be here. And even more than that, there's this sense and this feeling of, and we also can see what's coming. This isn't going to end well for us at all. They can every day wake up and see the ship and see the amount the ice has grown and see the pressure that's building around the boat that this, the inevitable, is coming. I love the way the book opens. This is the opening line of the text. It says, The order to abandon ship was given at 5 p.m. For most of the men, however, no order was needed because by then everybody knew that the ship was done and that it was time to give up trying to save her. There was no show of fear or even apprehension. They had fought unceasingly for three days and they had lost. They had accepted their defeat almost apathetically. They were simply too tired to care. This is an incredible line because it's a picture of a group of men who are carrying this reality in their gut. Something's coming. We know it. We feel it. We sense it. And there's this apathy to when it's in front of them because it's been there for so long. They're tired and worn out from carrying 
this anticipation of failure. I find this to be fascinating in the midst of thinking about this text in Isaiah. Because as you may know, Isaiah is this prophet. It's this text that's found in the Old Testament of Scriptures. And the Old Testament kind of has a timeline to it. We see the beginning of the text, the Scriptures. The first few books are about this formation of a people known as the group or the community, the nation of Israel. It's 12 tribes, a family of people that join and found this nation together, Israel. And Israel is a pretty dominant, significant thing in their history. They're able to rise to power and see some great things happen. But after a few years, civil war breaks out. And what we see take place is this once united Israel is now broken up into two countries. You have a country of Israel that is now the northern part of the kingdom, and then the southern part is Judah, and they are their own country now as well. There's still 12 tribes, and they still, they're still family, but they, can no longer, they are no longer a single nation together. It's two. And what ends up taking place is Israel kind of loses its way, loses its way politically, loses its way spiritually, loses its way in just how to do life. And because of that, there's all this surrounding pressure that starts to uh, come in and attack and come after them. And where they once, as in Israel united, could kind of handle a lot of attacks and pressure and things that were going on when they're divided as they are, they can no longer handle it for very long. And so Israel In about 720 BC, what we see is the Assyrians come in and just lay waste to them and carry them off to Assyria, and they now are no longer the country of Israel anymore because it doesn't exist because of what the Assyrians have done. All the while, Judah, this southern country, is seeing and feeling all of this. And all the while, there is this guy, this prophet, Isaiah, that's watching this happen. And he's watching the downfall of the northern kingdom of Israel while he's sitting in the southern kingdom of Judah realizing, is this coming for us as well? Because all of the ingredient, all of the ingredients, all of the things that took place to see the downfall of Israel are the ingredients of Judah as well. All of the actions that Israel are taking seem to be the actions that Judah is taking as well. And so Isaiah is this writing of text where he's processing and dealing with, okay, I think our downfall is coming. I think this might be the end. It's Isaiah realizing, I don't like where we are as a country, and I can play the tape forward, and I definitely don't like where this is headed. It's carrying around the emotion that all these men on the endurance, the ship, 1915 carried day after day after day. I don't like where we are, and I don't like where this is headed. You see, there's something that I've realized about my own life, and I think is just true for all of us. We all have a tendency to be in certain situations that we don't like, that we wish we could change, that we're uncomfortable with. And whether that's with our marriage, with our job, with our finances, maybe it's with an addiction that's happening uh, in and around our lives. Maybe it's something spiritually in us. But we all have a tendency to maybe be a little off kilter on something, be unhappy about something, wish we could change something. And in carrying that 
I don't like where we are, we can very easily play the tape forward and realize, and if, I, if this continues in the way it's going, it's not going to end well. We easily find ourselves like the men of the endurance, day after day, week after week, month after month, carrying a reality that we see around us in our homes, carrying a reality we see with our kids and with our jobs and with the addictions that we have that we know this isn't going to end well. This isn't what I want and this isn't going to end well. And when is the day that the ship is going to sink? When is the day that the relationship is going to end? When is the day that everybody's going to find out or this actually tanks me and destroys my career, destroys my relationships? When is that day coming, we easily find ourselves with this emotion that we find in the text of Isaiah. God, you've abandoned us, and judgment is coming. This is what Isaiah feels. You see, here's, here's what I believe. I believe that we are all carrying something. And it might be a little something, it might be a lot of something, but we're all, we're all carrying it. I think we can all relate to that emotion of the men on the endurance and the writings of Isaiah, because we all have spaces and areas where we're not happy with where we are, and we all have ways that we can play the tape forward, and we're anticipating this thing is going down quickly. And what I see is here's this Advent text that invites us to just speak that, to be honest about that and say, yeah, this is not where we want to be and this isn't going to end well. But even more than that, what I find really fascinating about this text is (laughs) where it goes is um, there's not just a recognition of what we're carrying, that we don't like where we are, we don't like what's coming, the ship could be sinking, But there's texts and moments like this, we just read it, where Isaiah says, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There's something in this text that that seems to recognize and point to themselves for why they are in the situation that they are, that it's their fault that they are experiencing this thing they're carrying of, I don't like where I am, and I don't like where this is headed. And I think this is an important thing. As I read, the, as I read this book, The Endurance, I, I, I was so blown away. Oh, multiple times I had this thought while I was reading it, and these men are, I mean, just the incredible challenge that they overcame and, and that they lived through. I, I was blown away because all of these guys, they decided to do this on their own. It was their choice. Like n- Nobody showed up and put a gun to their head. Nobody was a slave on this ship. Everybody raised their hand and said, I'm in. This is me. This is crazy. It was crazy to think that it was because of their choices and their decisions that they would put themselves in such a horrific, terrible place of camping out on the ice and watching their ship slowly sink. Isaiah is recognizing we, as a country, have put ourselves on the ice and we're watching our ship slowly sink, and that's partly because of our choices and our decisions. I think there's something to that, that just as we all are carrying something, I think it's important to see that this text invites us to see that we all play a part in what we're carrying as well. 
So those spaces, wherever you are, that you don't like what's happening and you're camping out on the ice and just kind of anticipating or watching the ship slowly sink, whether it's your marriage, your career, your finances, addiction, your kids, family, spiritually, whatever it is, you're just watching it slowly sink. There's something about this that is an invitation to also say, yeah, and I, I play a part here. This is partly on me and my decisions and my actions. And I think that this is so important because our tendency is not that. Our tendency is to find somebody else that we can point our finger to and say, it's their fault. They're the one that forced me on this ship. They're the one that forced me on this ice. But there's something in the story of the endurance and there's something in the scriptures that steps outside of that and says, we're not going to play the victim blame game here. We are simply going to recognize, yeah, This might not be all my fault, but yeah, there are things that I've done and things that I've said that have brought me to this place where I'm camping on the ice and I'm watching the ship slowly go down. And just as this text invites us in the season of Advent to name and talk about the thing that we're carrying, the anxiety that we have, Advent is also going through this process of being honest. These are the ways that I am responsible This is the part that I've played in creating this scenario where I am on the ice and I am watching the ship go down. But the third thing that I see within this text that uh, really I think is so beautiful and important is that one, we are all carrying something. And two, we all play a part in what we're carrying. But three, we all point ourselves somewhere. There's an understanding in this text in Isaiah and really throughout the good chunk of the scriptures that we are carrying anxiety of, I don't like where we are and I don't like where this is headed. And there is an understanding in scripture of, and the reason I'm here is because of me, (laughs) like this is my fault and things that I've done. But there's also this understanding of, but in the midst of this, I'm going to choose to point myself towards hope towards belief, that as bad as this could get, as as much I could play the tape forward and everything crumbles and falls, I'm going to choose to point myself towards belief that it doesn't have to be that way, belief that something good is here, present, and now there is this divine embraced love that sees and knows me and is a part of this and has not abandoned me and left me all alone. This is how Isaiah ends the text when he says, you are our father, you are the potter, we are the clay. There is this leaning into saying, God, we believe in the midst of even this, where we've done so much that you would abandon us. We believe that you still are here and you still love us. See, the truth is, as we all are carrying something and we all have a part to play, it's in that that we, you are choosing to point yourself somewhere with what you're carrying. And for many of us, we know that feeling to try and point ourselves just towards a nihilistic view of the world and things, where it doesn't matter, why bother, just burn it all down, just throw it away, uh, why even try at this relationship, why even try at my job, why even try at my finances or health or whatever it is, because it just doesn't matter in the end. Yeah, you can do that. That's a choice because you point yourself somewhere with what you're carrying. But I believe the choice or the invitation of the Advent season is, is to come back 
to pointing ourselves towards hope, that this is not the end. And there is this Father, this divine embrace that is here and now that we can point ourselves towards. Does it fix everything instantly? No. Does it, mean that, does it mean that everything goes perfectly in the way that we want it? No. But it means no matter what happens as we carry these things and as the ship potentially goes down, that there is this presence to be found. And God has not abandoned us. This is what Advent is all about. There is a coming salvation, hope, life, beauty. And it is found here and now if we would stop, breathe deep, and point ourselves towards that hope. And for me, where this idea of hope or Advent gets really, really cheesy and corny, and I just can't do it candidly, is when we just jump to that end game of hope and belief that this is going to go well and this is going to be okay. Yes, that's an important part of this, of course. But there's something to, I think, this text in Isaiah, the first two parts of that that we talked about, that hope only has power and has the most power and significance when we first and foremost name and recognize the anxieties, the fears, the things that we're carrying, the ways that we're camping on the ice watching the ship go down, that we talk about that and we name it, we write it down, and hope only has power and significance when we also go through this process of identifying and be honest about the part that we ourselves have played. It's when we do these things that hope comes alive. But if we don't, hope is cheap because we're not being honest about ourselves in the situation and we're just throwing out these words and ideas like, well, just believe, just believe, just believe. And so this is why for Advent... I believe this text is inviting us to do the work of, yes, hope and believe wherever you are. And maybe that's something personally, again, that you're camping on the ice and you're watching a ship go down that you realize, man, I I can play the tape forward. This isn't going to go well. Be honest about that. But maybe that's also something on a local level, on a state level, on a national level that you see and feel, even on a global level. There's something in you that feels like, man, this isn't, this just doesn't seem like it's going to go well, I don't like where we are and I don't like where this is headed. But that you would spend time journaling, praying, meditating around what are those things? What ships are you camped outside of on the ice? And how are you responsible? What part did you play? Be honest about that. Even if it seems so small and insignificant that we at least go there and talk about it. And then... Where are you pointing yourself? Have you decided to just throw in the towel and it doesn't matter? Or have you decided to join this beautiful work of hope? This powerful belief that God, you are still our father. You are the potter. We are the clay. There's something here. And we're going to remind ourselves and point ourselves there. I love you. And I hope you have a great, great week. If there's anything that we can do for you, please let us know.